Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I didn't do anything with their web stick. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. How was school today? Can we not talk about it? <laughs> with Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Let me tell you about the difference between good surprises and bad surprises a podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. You're always accusing me of things. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week we're talking about why kids tell lies and when it's okay, because sometimes it's okay. I like that sometimes it's okay. Of course, there are experts that are there to tell us that when your kid learns to lie, that's a positive developmental milestone. So we can talk about that. I like to go back to the touchstone often of developmentally appropriate. Mm -hmm. And I'm making hashtag signs with my fingers because, yeah, it's developmentally appropriate. It's a phase. We went yesterday to this farm, kind of we dragged our children my kids are sixth grade, fourth grade, second grade now. And it used to be like, let's go to the farm. And everyone would be like, the farm, yay. And like off to the car. And now they're like, why would you torture us by making us go to a farm? Like it's a completely different interaction. Like a fall festival farm. Like let's sit on hay bales. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hay bales, apple picking, hay rides, you know, fall family fun, Uh huh. which I was extremely committed to, but my kids were not really in the mood for at their ages. And so we dragged them off for a forced march of fall fun. But one of the things they had is like those little hoppy horses, like a ball with a handle and you ride it like a horse. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Those are kind of oldie locks. Back in my day. And it was a race and it was like a U-shaped race. You had to come down and back. And it was my husband and my fourth grader and my sixth grader. And they took off on this race. And like halfway through, my sixth grader realized that if he went under the rope, he could win the race. Like he just cut the corner and I was hilariously, hilariously laughing. And it was just really funny the way that he did it. Like it was very impish and hilarious. And then 
my husband and son were like falling off their horses and just being like, forget it. But I was like, yeah, it's a hilarious thing. I was like, listen, you're not allowed to do that in every race, but it was hilarious the way you did it that time. So he was lying with his body. <laughs> he was definitely, in fact, I was calling him Rosie Ruiz. And then I realized that was, in fact, a true Oldie Locks alert. Yeah, like, I barely know who that is. Like, in the marathon? My husband did not get the reference. But way back when, I believe it was a woman who ran the Boston Marathon and she won. And there was all this hoopla around her. Oh, right. And then someone like went back and checked the tapes and she'd like ridden the subway for like seven or eight miles of it. Right, right. She joined in and yeah. I may be besmirching Ms. Ruiz inappropriately. I don't remember the story exactly, but basically the idea is like she did exactly what my son did. She was like, hey, this would be a lot easier to win if I just skipped like nine miles of it. All right. Well, let's start at the beginning about like when kids lie, because it is a developmental phase. It is. Of course, I was like, okay, let's get into this. When do kids start to lie and why do kids start to lie? So babies, toddlers can't lie because they don't get that you aren't omniscient. So this is our old friend, the theory of mind, the theory of mind, which we need a whole episode on this. So around three years old, your kids develop something called theory of mind. Can I give you a definition from goodtherapy.org? You may indeed. I've skipped out on goodtherapy.org this morning, so I'll need you to fill me in. This is the latest theory of mind, they say, is the ability to anticipate what another person is thinking or feeling and to understand that somebody else's beliefs and feelings might be different from your own. So kids don't really get that until three. And once they do, watch out. They start lying. And that's a good thing. Some of mine still don't get it at 11 and nine. You know, my oldest is like, I don't understand how you don't like Marvel movies. And I'm like, yeah, theory of mind, but like we have different opinions. <laughs> so this is so theory of mind is obviously like a thing you want your kid to have. And the earlier they get it, the more precocious a kid is about theory of mind and getting this stuff, the better they are at lying. So I have a study for you. Please. Dr. Kang Lee and a bunch of other researchers from all around the world, they went in on the study, but the kids that were studied were preschoolers in China and they divided them into two groups and liars and non-liars. Yeah, exactly. Well, basically they created liars and non-liars and this is how they did it. They separated them into two groups, three-year-olds who were kind of too young to get this stuff. And first they talked to them about some theory of mind for stuff, I guess, like how do you think the kitty cat felt when you know, the little boy grabbed its tail and they're like, I don't know. <laughs> okay, you're perfect for this study. You have no idea. So they separated them into two groups. Higher. Yeah. And one group got all kinds of training and successions on numbers and spatial problem solving and let's do puzzles. And the other group got lots of stories read to them about how do you think the kitty cat feels like lots of stuff about people's mental states and feelings pitched at a three-year-old level, but taught them to think about that. And then after eight weeks, they started playing like, you know, is the M&M under this shell or that shell? Okay. And if the kid lied, they would get more M&Ms than if they didn't lie. Okay. That's entrapment, but go ahead. And the kids who had had theory of mind, like stories about the sad kitty cat, were much more likely to lie than the kids who hadn't had that training. Interesting. Yeah. Once you figure out other people are different from you. That's when the good stuff starts. So Dr. Lee argues that this is like a day to celebrate the first day your kid lies because their brain is developing. But you might feel differently. They have, they have theory, theory of mind. mind. When they come in covered head to toe in chocolate icing and they're like, I did not touch the cake. You can be like, 
It's happy theory of mind day at our house. My you can humble brag on Facebook about look at the theory of mind my three-year-old is displaying. My three-year-old has theory of mind is yours. So half of all three-year-olds lie regularly. 80% of four-year-olds apparently lie. You know, they do it. And from five to seven years old, nearly all kids are lying. Are liars, are dirty liars by five to seven. <laughs> Terrible liars. I mean, I think this means ever. Some kids are really innocent, and some kids, you know, I get it's a narrow in the quiver, but yeah, not really. This is like there's about a million hilarious Facebook videos of this where like a kid is like covered in lipstick head to toe, and, and they're like, it's like a little three year old being like, I didn't do anything with their lipstick. And they're just like, yeah, yeah. Really? You didn't find mom's lipstick? And they're just covered. It's a funny face because they're lying, but they're not good at it. Yes. They're not good at it and they do it so bold. It makes me think of the Trey Kennedy does that series of middle schoolers videos. We put one up on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash whatfreshellcast. We put up all kinds of funny mom stuff there. And Trey Kennedy, who is hilarious, he does. You guys have definitely seen these videos where he plays a middle schooler and he's like, come on. Let's not do that. So my favorite part of it is when the parent comes in and says, did you TP the neighbor's house? And he's like, no. Like completely right, haughty outrage. Like, how could you think I would do that? And then it smash cuts to him, like knocking on the neighbor's door. I'm sorry, I TP'd your house. <laughs> it is the level of outrage is part of the hilarity. Yes. How could you even ask me that? And then they never even show the reveal where we actually did it because it's so foregone that the more outrage they express at the idea, you could think they would do it. Yeah. And talk about ages and stages. This never goes away. Like when I'm like, husband, did you forget, you know, blah, blah. You're always accusing me of things. It's like, no, I'm only accusing you of something right now. And you definitely did it. And when the kids get older, I think it's more lies of omission, right? I mean, sometimes they get caught with their hand in the cookie jar, I guess. But more it's like, what did you do last night? Nothing. That's a lie of omission. Yeah. What were you guys just talking about? Nothing. Where'd you go last night? Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. I'm going to call that a lie of omission. That's more what's happening in my house. It's the unknown unknown. I don't even know what I don't know, which is never a good place for a parent to be. But welcome to my world. I'm trapped in the cycle right now. Of, can we not talk about it? How was school today? Can we not talk about it? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, no, I'm in for the long haul now. I will just continue to ask you. I need to know because it's going to ruin my night either way. So I just need some. <laughs> right. Like I know something happened. So what was it? But you did respectfully ask me, like I'm totally undercutting everything else I've said on other episodes where it's like you respectfully asked me not to ask you. And now I'm going to ask you 4,000 times because you said I don't want to talk about it. So let's talk about why kids lie. Okay. Because there's lots of reasons and some are obvious and some aren't. I'm going to quote a Child Mind article by Beth Arkey, which really broke it down really well. So we'll put this on our show notes at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. Or as we've discovered belatedly as podcast listeners ourselves, you can just like look down at your phone and scroll and all these links are there. Did you guys know that? You just swipe up and then all of a sudden there's magical information there. Quite a thing. What a world we live in. What a world. Beth Arkey kind of breaks it down and she interviewed all kinds of experts. This article is great, but she... Okay, so if we had to say what are the most common reasons a kid lies, it's to get out of trouble, to avoid a consequence. Yes. Get out of something they don't want to do. Right. Or to get something that they want. 
Not get something they don't want to get something they want. Correct. There also seems to be the middle ground. After our fall frolicking yesterday, I decided to make an apple pie and we were having some people over for dinner. And really ill-advisedly, I was like, I'll just whip up an apple pie. It's like it destroys my whole kitchen. It takes it. I mean, it's not a real I'm not a whip up an apple pie kind of person. So I was kind of stuck, like buried, like in a comic movie like covered in flour and like stuff was spraying all over the kitchen while I tried to produce an apple pie and I kept yelling to my kids like clean up the living room and they were like we are but I could basically just hear them murdering each other instead so I kept yelling like is it clean and then my husband came home and I was like the kids said they cleaned it there did they and he's like yeah not at all it's completely messy but I think they thought they had cleaned well that well yeah maybe they didn't know they were lying yeah they meant to their intentions were good yeah, and they did pick up like three of the 65 things. So for them, that was cleaning up. <laughs> that is 5% cleaner than it was. Yeah, so they were like, we did, we cleaned. And it's like, <laughs> right, you didn't finish cleaning. I guess I asked the wrong question. Right, that might be, that's your own communication there. You didn't say, can you pick up the thing and then pick up the next thing until there aren't any more things to pick up? You need to be really specific. My bad, clearly. All right, but let's talk about some of the less common reasons. Okay. Kids lie, because there are some. Dr. Rouse, who is a psychologist at Child Mind Institute, he says that kids can lie to just kind of check it out. He says, like, most kids will try on a new behavior. Yes. Just kind of see what happens. Like, what would it be like if I did this? Right. They'll just try it. And so he says, for most parents, it can feel like the onset of lying is sort of zero to 60. Mm-hmm. Like one day they don't do it and the next day they're doing it all day long. It's like, what is happening? He says that that is just sort of a like, what's this hat? I'm going to put this on and see, see how I look in this. This is our old friend boundary mm -hmm. pushing behavior, which we see a lot of in mm -hmm. the preteen. It's just like, well, like I would definitely remember. And now my kid is throwing it around like crazy. I would just be like, put your shoes on. And he's like, no. <laughs> It's like, wait, what? Like, when did this develop? And now he's like, oh, wait, I can actually say no sometimes. Sometimes, right. So I'm personally try saying no all the time. Like yeah. The typical two-year-old, right? I'm going to say no to everything. The most reasonable request gets a no from me. Right. Because I'm just trying this out. I'm a guy who says no. Like for six years, I've just been crushed under the thumb <laughs> of this dictator. But what if one day I throw a rock at it instead? And then it works or it doesn't work, but you're trying it out. So if you have a, say, a three-year-old who, you know, did everything you exactly the way you wanted it and now you know says they brush their teeth and their toothbrush is dry and says they're vegetables and then you find them in the garbage and like you know that that stuff is not something to like be alarmed about it's something to be like aha about like oh here it is it's our friend guys it's developmentally appropriate it's our friend this is a sort of mind-blowing one i hadn't really considered sometimes kids lie because they are developing their morality as they become more moral, they are more likely to lie because they are better able to anticipate what might get them into trouble. Makes sense. Before they do it. One time, my, I, my boys were little. They were four and three. We were visiting my in-laws and our car was parked in the driveway and they had a sort of driveway with gravelly rocks. And I have New York City kids. So a driveway of gravelly rocks was like the best sandbox they'd ever seen. So they used to right, heaven. They used to play it out there with plastic trucks. And my little boy, the older of the two came in like, I have a surprise for you, mommy. He leads me out to the driveway. We decorated the car and they had taken gravelly rocks and scratched designs in the side of our oh. <laughs> like all over the side. I will never Whoa. forget 
the look on his face as the look on my face showed him that he had made a grave. He had not done a great job. Grave miscalculation. But he was <laughs> he was four. So he was like, I won't you be surprised. So he did not have a developed enough sense of morality. You were like. Good news, I'm surprised. Yes. Bad news, right. everything else. Let me tell you about the difference between good surprises and bad surprises. So, yeah, he would have, had he been six months older, he would have been like, look what Seamus did. I can't believe it. But it, he was still young enough to not know. Proud as a peacock. Yeah, proud as a peacock. So let's talk about some more reasons the kids might lie right after this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, Amy, we're back. We're talking about lying, lying children. <laughs> and all the reasons that we think of and maybe have not thought of that they might do it. The next one I'm going to call uh, the Napoleon Dynamite sort of lie, which is the, do you know Napoleon Dynamite? It's my favorite movie. You know what's a shocking fact? I've never seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite. Oh my gosh, I think I have to quit the podcast now. Like that's, I know. It's one of those movies that people love. I don't know when it came out that I just completely missed it. It came out in 2000, so I think it's an oldie locks alert. Back in my day. Yeah, it probably is. I've never seen it. If you're listening and your kids are like grade schoolers, like I'd say like eight and older is the perfect age for Napoleon Dynamite because it was written and directed by a husband-wife team and they're both Mormon. So like this movie is squeaky clean, like it's PG. 
safe for all ages and hilarious. It's not on my radar. Like I've definitely seen people imitate it and I get that there's like two nerdy kids or something, but I know nothing about it. Well, Napoleon Dynamite, I mean, it's just a coming of age movie and Napoleon Dynamite is an incredibly dorky kid at a high school in Idaho who has to sort of learn the lesson of like only when you really decide to be yourself instead of being who you think the world wants you to be. You would love this movie because you talk about the blind rain the video. Yeah. Blind melon, no rain. You talk about that like all the time. Yeah. 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 It's that the movie. And so Napoleon dynamite is just like this super dorky kid. And in the first act of the movie, he's like, I went to ninja camp this summer. Yes. I have a girlfriend. She lives in Canada and all their kids in the high school are looking at him like you so clearly don't like what a weirdo you are. Yeah. And he's trying to sort of be cool by just saying these outlandish things that are clearly untrue. Everybody, even himself. And he just doesn't. It's like, why are you doing this? And experts say that kids can do that when they really don't have self-confidence. They're trying in the most unproductive way possible to puff themselves up. It makes a lot of sense. That one I get. Sometimes kids lie to get focus off themselves. Like when your son came home and like, how was your day? Fine. I want to talk about it. But that thing is right. That's the live admission. Like I just, nope, don't look at me. Right. Don't want to delve in with mom on this one. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they lie because their peers are doing it. And that seems pretty cool and interesting. Yeah. Right. I mean, I just think a lot of these have the underlying like power dynamic thing in them. They lie to get power somehow, you know, like they just lie to like Mm -hmm. it is like that thing of like I use the metaphor a lot of like the dictator just crushing the like serfs. And then finally the serfs like rise up against them. Like there is that dynamic in like the parent child relationship where you're like, I said, get your shoes on. This is what we're doing. Eat this, do this. And like, it is natural for kids to want to like get out from under that at a certain point. You want them to do that. But lying is definitely part of like, it switches the power dynamic. That's interesting. And so like the dry toothbrush when your kid definitely said he brushed his teeth is like, do you let some of that go because you're Goliath and they're David and they have to feel like they got to win once in a while? (laughs) You absolutely do. I think we should finish our list of reasons and then we should move on because I do think there's a lot of stuff that you have to let go here. Okay. For kids who are impulsive, which is kids with ADHD, although not exclusively, I mean, all kids are impulsive to some degree or another and kids with ADHD are particularly impulsive. Sometimes they just say stuff like it just comes out. Yeah. So the kid who is more likely to say sort of blurred out stuff, I'm thinking of it one time I was driving with my kids in the minivan and this other little boy in the back seat, and we were taking him to my kid's grandparents' house, which this is a city kid. And this was a very nice, you know, suburban, even more country than suburban, very nice backyard, that kind of thing. Big houses, beautiful trees. And he was, he, the kid was saying, whoa, these are nice houses. And I said, yeah, their grandmother lives right up here. And this little boy was like, my grandmother lives near here too. And my little boys were like, wait, what? She does? Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm? And, and they, you know, they came to me later, like, why did he say that his grandmother lives near here? She does. And I'm like, well, he just like in the moment he, and this is a kid that I know has ADHD because I've talked to his mom about it. The impulsivity in the moment was just like, yeah, me too. Yeah. I want to be part of whatever this thing is. Yeah. Yeah. And some other kid might be like, should I say that? No, I probably won't. This kid didn't have that little, you know, one second things that he just said it. And again, my sons weren't openly dismissive of that because they're nice kids, but they definitely were like, why did I say that for? Just totally confused. Right. The last way that kids lie is because we tell them to. It is kind of part of the instruction manual. Right. Like white lies, you mean? Like, yeah. Tell Aunt Melba how much you like the sweater that she got you instead of a toy. Yes. 
I don't know. They, we make them do it sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes it's appropriate. Yeah. So sometimes lying's appropriate. This food is delicious. It's fine. You don't have to tell people the truth right. all the time. So kids lie for all of those reasons. That makes sense. That's a good list. Like, And I do think... We start with the why because it helps us figure out what to do about it. Right. Because sometimes it's a problem and sometimes it isn't a problem. And sometimes we let it go. Some of these lies are good, fine, totally understandable. And some of them are not. And so knowing the why helps us to be like, wait, which one of these should I shut down? Exactly. I have some thoughts on that, too. Lead us in, Amy. What are your thoughts? So these are Dr. Matthew Rouse's thoughts, really. He works for a child mind. And so Amy, aren't Dr. Matthew Rouse's thoughts really all of our thoughts in the end, though? (laughs) Let's make it so. He just says it so nicely. He breaks it down into levels of lying. Okay, so we know why they lie. He's trying to help us discern when is this a big problem or not. So he says that level one lying is the attention-seeking, yeah, my grandmother lives here too. Yeah, I have a boyfriend in Canada. George Glass. And you know you can't meet him. George Oldie Locks Alert. Back in my day. Oh, my God. George Glass. Yes. Tell everybody about George Glass. Jan Brady's fake boyfriend's name was George Glass. And like, that's George Glass. He was, he's so handsome. Yeah. So George Glass is the example of like the Napoleon Dynamite thing. Like my boyfriend lives in Canada. Yes. And all the Brady's handled that the right way, which is, and then Marsha, I think, is like, sure, Jan. Like, that's the meme. Sure. Yeah. The meme that you see all the, the sure, sure, Jan. Jan. Sure, Jan. You don't, she is passive aggressively disagreeing and undermining her, I guess, but you don't say, what do you mean? Where is he? Call him on the phone right now. If it's a level one lie, Dr. Rouse would say, ignore it. If the lie isn't hurting anyone, he says, ignore and redirect. I agree. That can be hard to figure out, but yes. And I think it can be hard to figure out, like, what if you have a kid, as listeners have written into us, what if you have a kid who, like, does this all the time? Like, it's always with the George Glass and the, you know, the fantastical... I walked into my gym class today and everybody clapped for me and then they carried me around like always with the stories and the embellishing. If you have a kid who's doing that, you're probably like, this isn't very helpful. I guess I would say that that's probably not something that your kid is going to do for the next 15 years, but it's something to address. Yeah. And I think you can make some sort of like linguistic differential between like, oh my God, that's great that you got a hundred on your test. And oh my God, that's great that the kids carried you around in gym class. Like that sounds fantastic or whatever. Like the way you react to the things that are clearly not true should be different than the way you react to the things that are true. I guess Dr. Ross would say that this was level two lying if they do this all the time. Like level one lying is they do, they tell some kooky story once in a while. Level two story is they keep doing this. It's always fantastical. Then he suggests you might say, that sounds like a tall tale. Why don't you tell me again? Yeah. I mean, I just think acknowledging to some degree that like that's not quite true. And I think that we sometimes project too much on this. I have a child who is extremely into fairies right now. Mm. and spends a lot of her life talking about the magical wishing stone that she's going to get from these fairies and what she's going to do once she acquires the magical wishing stone. And it kind of drives her brothers crazy because they're like, but we talk about it so much that even my 11-year-old was like, wait, there's no magical wishing stone. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, listen. Side conference. Let her have her thing. (laughs) But like, there's a minute where it's like, wait a minute. What are you guys talking about? You know, theory of mind. I'm pretty sure she's wrong, but I'm not sure anymore. So 
we talk about the magical wishing stone different than we talk about like what we're going to do on Christmas break. You know what I mean? Like they're just different conversations entirely. The magical wishing stone is like, and then we'll have pizza for dinner every night and we'll get 12 dollhouses and we'll decorate them all with everything in the dollhouse store. Like the magical wishing stone is a fun fantasy conversation. And then we kind of arrive to the thing of like, oh, if only the magical wishing stone. If only we could find it. Like we kind of wink, wink to the fact that like there is probably not ever going to be a magical wishing stone that the fairies bring us. There's a parenting specialist named Carol Brady. Seriously, Dr. Carol Brady, no relation to Jan. Everything she says is correct (laughs) and accurate. She suggests, I really liked this suggestion with the kid like this who is prone to, and like the fairy thing, you have enough perspective in the fairy thing to know like this is an intense moment in our lives and someday she's going to be 12 and talking about boys and I wish that she was still talking about wishing stones. Right. If you have a kid that's maybe, you know, spinning falsehoods that are getting a little more complicated, she suggests you do something called a truth check. Okay. And this is the setup that she gives. Your kid says that they did a homework assignment and the next day maybe you get an email from the teacher or the kid gets a notification you didn't do your homework and like it's child versus teacher who are you going to believe and the kid is doing the I didn't I didn't do it and you kind of maybe suggest you know there's something about this that you think "Mm, I'm going to believe the adult here okay so what do you do she suggests that you say something like I'm going to walk away I'm going to give you 10 minutes and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you again and if you change your mind and you want to give me a different answer, it's just a truth check. So you won't get in trouble. That's a good idea. It is a good idea, right? Like, because what you don't want to do, I'm kind of skipping ahead to the solutions here. But what you definitely don't want to do is like, you are lying to me. And you are going to admit you're lying to me right now. Like the making them admit to the lie first is a big first step that maybe isn't so necessary if you just want to get to the like, okay, you told me you did your homework, but you didn't. And now we have to do it. You want to solve the problem, right? This is a big category. This is a thing we go back to all the time, which is like the solution to many, many things in parenting is to hold it less tightly. And lying is so in that category. Like when you bear down of like, that is a lie, young man, and you will admit the truth. It's like you're suddenly like the last scene of A Few Good Men probably also an oldie Lux alert where it's like, ah, you can't handle the truth. It's a big courtroom. Like, you know, he's trying to get him and he's lying and you don't want to get into that mode. And that's the thing with like, if the magical wishing stone was like, oh, the fairy is going to bring a magical wishing stone. And I'm like, that's a lie. There is no such thing as fairies, you know, relax. It's some of this stuff does not need to be dealt with. Even things, I think we lay a lot of like heavy morality online that does not belong there. Yeah. That's right. And calling your kid a liar, it seems to be one thing that the experts sort of all agree on is that calling them a liar using that very charged word is a bad idea because it makes the kid feel bad about themselves. It can kind of become self-fulfilling that they have to keep lying. So you won't think they lied about the other thing. And it's just... You say this about like, don't let people at your table call someone a picky eater. Like, it's just don't give them labels Mm. that they have to like either lean into or completely get out of because their choice is almost always going to be to lean into it. There's things we can do about it, but like you are lying and admit to this. Yeah, skip that step. But we'll talk about what to do instead. But we never got to level three. Yeah, yeah. Let's wrap our section here by finishing the levels of lying. Level one was like attention seeking. Level one is I have a girlfriend in Canada and who cares? Yeah, right. Level two is like, I'm constantly making stuff up. Mm -hmm. And then you can say, if it's a younger kid, that sounds like a tall tale. Why don't you tell me again? And if it's something of more consequence, you can try this truth check idea that I really like. Level three is 
your kid lied about where they were last night and you know, you know, they got an F on a test and they hit it in the bottom of their backpack. I don't know. Like there's level four lying. We won't really get to that. But level three lying is like something that needs to be fixed. You broke grandma's face. But I think level three would also include like they're vaping and they're, you find it in their backpack, right? Like, I mean, level three lying is like consequential problematic lying, right? Yeah. In those cases, there has to be a consequence. Like, you know, you lose your phone, you can't go to the birthday party now, whatever the consequence is, but make sure that fixing the wrong writing a note that you're sorry you broke the window, you know, I'm sorry I TP'd your house, I'm sorry that I pushed, you know, my cousin, whatever, whatever the thing is that you have to make. You have to make it right. Fixing the lie part of the consequence. Amy, I want to end our segment with this Dr. Koplowitz quote. Yeah. Child Mind Institute, mm-hmm. because this is what we're going to talk about in part three, because this is just a truthbomb.com right here. He says, habitual lying is a symptom, not a diagnosis. Yep. All right, we'll be right back. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. And now, why moms tell lies and when it's okay. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. When you're eating a bowl of ice cream and you really don't feel like sharing. 
Oh, sweetie, you wouldn't like this ice cream. It's really spicy. When your kids proudly show you their artwork. Oh, this is beautiful. Oh, no, of course I could tell it was supposed to be a cow. It looks just like a cow. And this is its face? Oh, no, its leg. Oh, right, right. That's its leg. I mean, of course. When it's time for homework. Are you crazy? It is super important to know how to scoop words with one open syllable. In order to function as an adult, you really need to get that right. When you get caught. What? No, honey, I didn't put your special art project in the recycling bin. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the special place I save treasured things that I want to frame later on. When the pet runs away. Fluffy's fine. She is alive and happy in her new home. You know, as sad as it is, pets sometimes just go off to find their soulmate. And sadly, sometimes that soulmate lives somewhere really far away. You should be happy for Fluffy and her wonderful new life. When you just really want to. Sweetie, your Elsa doll that sings Let It Go at top volume 24 hours a day, it seems to be out of batteries. And you know what is so sad? They don't make that kind of battery anymore. Oh, how annoying. I guess you'll just have to enjoy the non-singing version of her from now on. When it's daylight savings time. Bedtime! What do you mean the clock says it's only 6.30? Oh, yeah, that's one we haven't stepped forward yet. Now go to sleep! This has been Why Moms Tell Lies and When It's Okay. From the What Fresh Out podcast. Okay, Carol Brady Wisdom, you ready for some more? Yes. I mean, this is Dr. Carol Brady, but let's just pretend it's Mom Brady, too. (laughs) She says that children almost always lie for a reason. And as Dr. Koplowitz said in our truth bomb, like, and the reason is that they're a liar. That's not the reason that your kid is a liar, full stop. And you need to, you know, fix that. Identifying the reason the kids lie is more important than stigmatizing that they lie. We're going to keep talking about this for another little while, but I'm just going to say with that quote, solved it. I mean, like, that's the Mm -hmm. thing that I think you've got to hang on to is like, I've never thought of it this way. And it's so helpful. Lying is a symptom. It's not a diagnosis. Right. And if you have a kid who's really lying about everything, you're really concerned about it, there's probably something else going on. It's anxiety. It's I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist or anything else, but there's something that's making the kid do that that isn't. Lying disease, right? It's just. <laughs> yes. And I would suggest that, again, also, oddly enough, I'm not a medical professional, but I would suggest that the missing ingredient that is creating a lot of lying is connection. There's a connection that's missing there that I think, like, that's where your focus should be. You know, like we say this about a lot of different things. When the, like, vape pen falls out of the backpack when the like missing homework that like they've been saying they've been doing and you find it in the drawer, you know, after three weeks, like in the moment of shock about like my child has been lying to me, you have to like back away and get right and chill out. And then you need to come back to your kid at some point and be like, we need to reform some connection between us because something is amiss here that we are not communicating. Easier said than done. I mean, that's not a one-step process, but I find nowadays with my kid who's like, I don't want to talk about school. Every day, basically. Like, it's hard. You know, sixth grade sucks, and, you know, it's been hard. I find that almost every night at bedtime, 
if I can go up before his brother comes into the room and sit down with him, it's like, well, this thing happened at recess and I can't figure out whose friends I want to be. This one doesn't like this one. And I feel like I'm in the middle. I get the whole story at bedtime. So I have tried, although I'm still not good at it. And my husband has to remind me sometimes at pickup, how was your day? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I want to be like, but, but what happened? I, 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 I fill me in. I have tried to be like, that sounds like a bummer. Let's go get a chocolate chip cookie sandwich and see if we can just turn the day around a little bit. Like I try at the moment to just offer positivity, but then in a calmer moment, like let's revisit this and see if there's mm. something we can fix. I like that. Is there, and it's coming at bedtime. And I have to realize like my sixth grader, that may not happen when he's 16. So like we have to start forming the practice of like in the red brain moment where you're so mad about everything that's happened that you're just like, I don't trust anyone. I'm going to lie to everyone about it, whatever it is. That's not the moment to connect. There's in a moment, but that that moment of connection always exists. Dr. Fran Walfish, who wrote the book, The Self-Aware Parent, she says you have to bust your child in a nice way <laughs> in order to get past the lie into fixing it sooner and also to prevent lying from becoming a snowballing thing. You do have to bust them, but don't label them liar. Instead, she suggests put positive attention on telling the truth. So I guess it's, you know, when your child finally confesses, well, this is what's really going on. This is what I didn't want to tell you before. Make sure you thank them for confiding in you, for confessing to you. I think that's very key. The positivity of like your kid is on one side, you're on the other side. And what they see is like an Everest size cavern between the two of you, right? And so I do think it is your job sometimes to like lay the ladder across that chasm and be like, there's a lot of ways to do this. One of them is humor. Like, oh, this is interesting. You told me blah, 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 blah. And look what I see here. You know, like take it. That's a way to lay the ladder is to be like, I'm not coming at you like, liar, you've been caught. Like, I'm coming at you like, okay, dopey. Right. Yeah, I caught you. Now let's fix it. You know, like lay the bridge to them and let them walk across it. But you have to understand that they're like on top of this like volcanic like eruption. And the minute you go to them and you're like, liar, it's like the cavern just opens up so much wider. There is no solution. When I was in high school, my drama teacher, I was the head of the drama club, and she wanted me to set up a pasta dinner, like a fundraiser. And I was supposed to call the dad who was the president of like the parents support club to set up this pasta dinner. <laughs> and I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to call this like other person's dad on the phone. It just was like, I just didn't want to do it. So I lied and told her I did it. Like, oh, yeah, I called. He has to call me back. And I just didn't do it, didn't do it. And eventually this became this mountain of like, I kept lying that I had done it. And then finally this dad was like, oh no, she never called me. And I didn't know how to fix it, right? It had become this mountain between me and this beloved teacher. And yeah, finally she had to be like, see, you didn't call him, right? Why did you tell me you did? But she, again, she didn't, she had to offer me that, lay that ladder, as you were saying, across me to be like, okay, yes, I didn't. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I'm stressed. You know, but if she hadn't offered me that opportunity to confess, I don't know, like I'd still be lying about it, but. And that's what lies are like lies become bigger and bigger. This is basically every Netflix series ever. Like you tell a lie in the beginning and then your whole life is covering <laughs> up this lie. Like dinner. it's basically like every drama series you ever watch, like help your kids find their way out of that morass. At the same time, I will say I had something that happened in high school when I was a high schooler where I basically cheated on something for school, straight up copied someone else's thing. Like I cheated. I actually at the time like was like, 
this is awesome. Like, I really did not, like, I feel like my parents, like, raised me with good morals, but, like, I just was like, oh, this is so much easier if I just, like, copy this thing and hand it in as my own versus writing it. Like, I was not even, like, tormented or tortured by it. I really was like, and I got caught and I got suspended. And I didn't really get at the time. Like now I look back on it and I'm like, oh, this is the thing that schools do where they're like zero tolerance ethics. Da, da, da. I didn't really actually see it as a huge ethical lapse. Looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I just handed in someone else's work as my own thinking that it was fine. But I was like, score. I figured out a way to do it more easily. I did not see it the same way that they did. But my mom came down. She was appalled. She was really, really like genuinely personally appalled that I had done it and was like, ashamed of me and was like, it was like you said, it was like my thing of like drawing on the car. Like I saw her face and I was like, <laughs> oh no, like I've done something terribly, terribly wrong. And there's a role for that hammer to come down to. It doesn't mean that when your kid draws all over your car, you have to come out and be like, great job, sweetie. Like we're not trying to say in any way that it is only about building connection. It is also sometimes fine to be like, we have worked really hard to raise you with these morals and standards and you have completely fallen short and you are completely in the doghouse. That happens sometimes. You just don't want to play that card every single time because let me tell you, the one day it was played on me, the one time in my high school career, like I still wake up at three o'clock in the morning and get a cold sweat from it sometimes. Like it worked. Because it happened once, right? If it happened a hundred times, you would have been like, wah, wah, wah. You would have just said, oh, yeah. there she goes again. There she goes again. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go back to little kids because Dr. Mark Bowers has a good sort of solution when it's little kids who like scribbled on the wall. You know, who did this? You come in the living room and there's crayon on the wall. There's Sharpie on the couch just happened to me. And your little kid does not confess to it, of course, because it was clearly them. Right. And they want to try to blame it on the dog or the fairies or whatever. He says that there are two things you do. One is you can state the rules and then offer a solution like Instead of getting into who did this, who did this, you're going to confess to me right now. You just say, in this house, we don't color on walls. Now we're going to go scrub this off. And you just move through it with the, like, we both know you did it. We don't have to talk about it. Now we're going to make it right. And the second suggestion he has is that you play dumb and say something like, I wonder how this crayon got in the wall. I sure hope somebody's going to help me scrub it off with a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and then make them help you. So again, they're making it right. They know that it's wrong. You're not getting stuck on the part of, why did you lie to me? Because I think that's exactly it. Whatever the solution is, it's like, you're not getting stuck on that. That's a lie. Admit you did it. Right. Like you're backing young Amy into the corner when she didn't call the dad. Like, it's like, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I think those reasons can be very, very hard to parse. Like, why didn't you want to call the dad? Why didn't you do it? Like, there are so many weird things. Amy and I were just traveling and I was telling her some story about something I did as a kid that I won't even get into the story because it's not the point. I was like, what must my mom have thought when I did that? Like <laughs> kids do really weird stuff. And I think getting stuck on the why is almost always a mistake. Like if it's a pattern and there's like, okay, we want to get at something, but this is the symptom versus diagnosis thing. Like, yeah. Why did you Sharpie the couch? 
but it doesn't really matter why you sharpie the couch. Yeah, I sharpie the couch because it was there and I had a sharpie in my hand, but I didn't call the dad because I was having a really tough junior year of high school. And right, the reasons were way more complicated. Right. But you probably weren't going to get into somebody. You weren't going to get into that. Why? You just wanted a solution to the problem. You know what I mean? You just wanted a way out. I just wanted a way out. I wanted a way to admit, right, a graceful way to move past what I had done. And she gave me. Right. Because do you really need to get into the weeds of like why a 16 year old girl doesn't want to call an adult man on the phone? No. I mean, there's like history. There's 8000 reasons why that is like an insurmountable obstacle to a 16 year old. But you don't really need to understand them. You need to be like, how about this? Did you do it's not where do you need me to make the phone call? You need to help them find the solution. And I think that's what they're saying is like, wow, well, someone sharpied the couch and now we need to scrub it. So I guess the dog can't help. Yeah. So I guess you'll help even though the dog did it. I'm fine. with. Let's talk about how to get kids to lie less in the first place. OK, Dr. Carol Brady. Oh, Carol Brady. Love it. This is a situation where you know that your kid was at a party where they you know, we're TPing the house or calling up. I can think of a slumber party one of my kids went to a couple of years ago where they were calling the other kids in the class, like the home phone in the middle of the night kind of thing. And the kids were, of course, denying it. But you could see what there's caller ID now. You could see what kid's cell phone it was coming from. So if you're in a situation like that with your kid, you sit them down and she says you give them a preamble. Carol Brady says she says, I'm going to ask you a question and maybe you're going to tell me something I don't really want to hear. But remember, your behavior is not who you are. It's a good point. So tell them ahead of time, like, I know you're not going to want to tell me the truth, but it's important that you tell me the truth. And for older kids, there's a way that you can make it clear to them that telling the truth will reduce consequences. Yeah. Like if you have to pick them up at a party and they've been clearly drinking something they weren't supposed to be drinking, that's not great. But calling you to come pick them up and keeping them out of trouble is much better, right? So it's like not like there's no consequences for bad decisions ever, but telling the truth about those things is much better than not. Yeah, and I think maybe there's a part of a lot of this, you can just skip the step of like, you tell me, okay, no, you're lying. Okay, now you have to tell me the truth. I think you can just skip to like, so we can tell that you were making prank calls for these three reasons. So here are the consequences to that, you know? Yeah. And like, I can tell you were drinking at the party. That is against our rules. I'm glad you gave me a call. I'm glad you're safe. This is why I don't want you doing this. And let's move on. Like you can kind of skip the step where you're like, I'm going to catch you in a lie because there just doesn't seem to be a big upside to that. That's right. And I think like teaching our kids that lying is wrong, like the world teaches them that they get that. You can tell them it's not behavior that you accept, but in the moment, they get it. I knew I was supposed to call this dad about this stupid pasta dinner. My three-year-old knew he wasn't supposed to have written on the couch with Sharpie. Like, he got that pretty quickly. And this reminds me a lot of our discussion about, like, rescuing kids. Like, okay, you've got a kid who's forgetting their homework every day. Do you bring their homework in for them? You're rescuing him. That's a problem. And we talked a lot about, like, you have to build scaffolds that help that kid remember their homework. You don't get into the thing of bringing their homework every day. And this is the thing of, like, did you feed the dog? Yes, the dog wasn't fed. Now you left for school. Now you lied. It's a problem. The solution to that is not to fight the lying. The solution is to be like, you need to put a check next to this box after the dog is fed every morning. And then we know it's done. And only when I see that check, can you leave the house? And like, you need to just put systems in place where like, if you're drinking at a party, 
and you get uncomfortable, call me and I will pick you up. You don't need to lie to me about drinking. I don't even care about that part of it. You need to fix what's underneath the lie. And then you can overall have a practice of like lying. This is something again, like in our house, I feel like we talked about it a lot. It's in the news a lot. It's in the world a lot. Like this person is being disrespected because they lie, you know, like lying is not part of our family value, but in the moment you need to address what's underneath the line. With, yeah, without being panicked that this means you have like the worst kid ever, right? Because I think this is exactly one of those things that it tends to be like, is your kid honest? That is the ultimate test of whether you have failed as a parent. And it's like, right. Does your kid have a fever? It's a symptom of something. It has nothing to do with like, I'm not saying there's it has no, a kid who is habitually lying. There's a problem there that needs to be addressed. But even then, the problem isn't the lying. The problem is what's making them behave that way. Yeah, right. Right. We solved it. Amy, we solved <laughs> this one. Yeah. I feel like this was really helpful to me. I feel like I'm still, my kids are not in a big lying phase yet, but I think this is going to be really helpful for me. That's right. It's like, what's causing this? Not, I am Tom Cruise and you are Jack Nicholson and we are at the final scene of <laughs> Few Good Men. Right. Go watch it if you haven't. Great movie. I'm definitely going to try the Dr. Carol Brady truth check. Just a little truth check. Let's have a truth check. Uh-huh. I'll be back in 10 minutes. I like that. I can use that with people in my adult life. Yes. Did you send in the PTA forms, honey? Let's have a truth check. I'll come back in 10 minutes. <laughs> I'll be come back in 10 minutes. It's just a truth check. It's going to be perfect. <gasps> Guys, we want to know what's going on with lying at your house. You can come to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast. And some of these questions today came from our Facebook page, our Facebook group, where people are discussing all things parenting. And it's where we get a lot of ideas for our episodes. So please come out and participate there. Absolutely. And you can like and participate in both of them. You kind of should join both, right? There are two things and we want you in both places. Of course. We're also on Instagram at WebFreshHellCast. We're on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And we had so many studies and articles and experts today. I'm going to put all those links up on our show page, which is WebFreshHellPodcast.com. Oh, especially highlight the Carol Brady stuff. I know that means the most to you for sure. Yeah. Okay, guys. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. 
and let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.